This is the Immigrant View with Ayo Oweduni. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the Immigrant View with Ayo. Uh, welcome to part B of our conversation with Matt Adolfi. Uh, we are talking about this wonderful book. Uh, like I'm scrolling back and forth and I'm blown away by some of the things that I'm seeing and noticing here. But we are talking about Canadian workplace culture mastering the unspoken rules you can go on amazon and type in that title to get the book we've gone through rules number one through four uh so if you didn't get a chance to listen to first podcast please go back now and go do that there's some really powerful things there uh rule one put the feelings of others first rule number two understand indirect communication Rule number three, use everyday conversation strategies. And rule number four, do not be perceived as arrogance. So we're going into rule number five now, be self-perceptive and proactive. Matt, please help us with this one. All right. Well, thanks very much. I'm glad to be back. Um, And the other thing too is, you know, sometimes we can, uh, when we start getting to those examples, they get a little serious, but I just, I would like you to have fun with the book too. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities we can look back on certain things we said or conversations we had. I think sometimes we've got to laugh at ourselves a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, so, you know, so if we, if we start getting into examples that you're like, Ooh, that uh, I did that, you can always recover from things. These are just small things. This book is a collection of small things. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so rule number um, five, right? So, yes. yeah, in that chapter, talking about uh, being uh, perceptive, how people how people perceive you, and I, I think it's really important to be a good listener. I mean, you hear that uh, every expert will tell you just to be a good listener, but I mean, you really got to observe. And you've got to be thinking about the other person. How can you make a connection? That's every conversation needs to be like that. Just for example, okay, you work in the office and everybody talks about hockey. Okay, you don't like hockey. Okay, it's not your thing. You don't watch the games. And you come into the office. Everybody's pretty excited about their hockey team. And they say, hey, did you watch the game? And you say, no, I don't like hockey. Hmm. That kind of, you, you start to, push yourself away from a group and so what I recommend is you know listen to some highlights find out who won the game so when you come in you can say no I didn't see the game but hey they won or you could ask questions you could say well can you tell me a little bit about uh, what's the best team right now something like that but you've got to be always thinking about how you can make that connection with people and their interests and if you can if you can get in the habit of doing that what happens is, and sometimes people say to me, Matt, well, what about yourself? You just surrender so much of yourself in these conversations. Well, you build you build that rapport. It's like when you go to somebody's house, hmm. you know, you don't start going in there and start talking about the decorations you have and the food you cook and your backyard and your garden. You look at theirs and say, that's really nice. Wow, you've got some nice plants, you know. You, you show them that you're interested in them and you build that interest. And then after a while, they want to come to your house. You know, they want to get to know you. But I think it's always important to, you know, just be perceptive in the beginning. Try to understand that. And if Mm -hmm. people can do it, they can have a lot of successes. Wow. Uh, So page 39. In Canada, followers make the best leaders. Confused? I am. Please walk me through that. (laughs) Followers. Well, the idea is 
In Canada, oftentimes people that understand the corporate vision, that understand these communication tactics we're talking about, they understand these things, so they follow those things, and they are earmarked for that promotion. You know, they, they're watched, and they are, and they're they're and they're, they're the ones that get elevated because they know how to do these things, how to follow these kind of norms, and so they end up getting into leadership roles versus people that are always kind of. I've got a better idea. Why don't we try this? They kind of create uncomfortable situations for people. They're always tr really out there and, uh, you know, very independent in their thinking. They're not going to help themselves get into those management positions. Mm -hmm. And so for, from a corporate perspective, people that can understand it. And I think in the book, wasn't there an example of a young person that worked at, uh, Home Depot, or was it, um, there was, I was doing a communication class and I had a couple of young, a, a, a couple of young students in the course. And one person put his hand up. He says, Matt, I don't understand it. I, I've been working at, uh, I think it was Home Depot or one of these outfits for about six months. And they always tell me you're going to get promoted. And he goes, I never get promoted. And wow. he goes, so he says, why? And he, and I said, well, I, I said, I don't know. I, I don't know you that well, but we had a little break. And during the break, he was talking to another person and this other person was kind of shy and they were talking about hamburgers. And the, and the other guy says, yeah, my favorite hamburgers are like Peter's drive. And it's a famous burger place in Calgary. And that guy that was asking me about why he wasn't promoted says, Peter's drive. And those are awful. Those are awful hamburgers. How can you like those? And, you know, I think, that first fellow was really coming from a direct kind of background where they're not afraid of a debate. You know, you tell me, yeah, I'll tell you what I think about your hamburgers. You tell me what you think about mine. And somehow we'll meet in the middle and we'll still be friends. But in an indirect workplace, you've just broken that person. Okay. They put their, they put their opinion out there. They put their heart out there and you've said, those are horrible. And the response was, well, I like them. And it was, I watched that and then I realized what was happening most likely in that guy's workplace. He was the hardest person there, hardest working, came every day, um, you know, but probably in the lunchroom, he was having those conversations with his colleagues. Hmm. And when the time came to talk about his promotion, it, the, you know, the bosses were going to his colleagues saying, hey, you know, he'd make a pretty good supervisor. And the colleagues that were probably indirect says, yeah, yeah, he'd, yeah, yeah, he'd be a good leader. And then, so the person asks all his colleagues that, and then they get the impression, I'm not getting yes, I'm getting uh, kind of an indirect no. And so if I promote this person, that's going to create a lot of problems for me. So maybe, and I don't want to lose this person, um, so he, that person doesn't get promoted and doesn't know why. And I, I that's just my theory based on certain things that I've seen happen. And mm -hmm, so... Mm -hmm. I think that's quite powerful. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Here's a quote. Canadians have difficulty with a large presence. Larger tall people when entering a room should be more cautious of the effect of their size, especially when others are sitting. I am five, uh, I'm six foot four. So help people like me out. What do we do when we walk into a room uh, so we're not intimidating, quote unquote, people? It's a fascinating thing. You know, I... It's, uh, first of all, body language, when you're dealing with indirect people, they focus a lot on body language. 
And because oftentimes what you're saying verbally, your body's saying something else. And so people tend to pay a lot of attention to body language. And as a result, body language can be loud depending on how it is. I had a friend that was sitting, uh, listening to a lecture at a university and he was sitting with his arms crossed in the back row. He was sitting with his arms crossed just because that was how he was comfortable. But after an hour, the person actually stopped the lecture and said, do we have a problem? And the guy was like, no, what do you mean? What do you mean? He goes, well, you're just sitting back there. you got a scowl on your eyes. He goes, no, I'm not wearing my glasses. That's why my eyes look like that. He goes, well, you're sitting there with your arms crossed. And so it was this, it was just, you have to be aware of it. And so uh, bigger people that are taller, they just need to be aware of that. And for example, I was teaching a communication course and this happens sometimes when you're teaching these communication courses for corporate clients. Sometimes you get somebody put in there and they come to me and say, hey, Matt, you know, somebody said I should take this course. Do you know why they said I should? And I and that was another, isn't that an indirect way of saying somebody needs help with their communication? Hey, there's a course that you might benefit from, you know, and so this person comes into the course and, you know, a tall person. Uh, and a very nice fellow, you know, and I and I said, yeah, no, I, I can't quite figure it out. I don't know why they would put you in a communication course. And then during some group work, he was just right over the table, you know, his <laughs> huge hands looking and uh, just not doing anything intentionally, but he was looming. Hmm. And I think that that's what was kind of making people uncomfortable was the looming. And so, and he talked closely to people. And hmm. I, so I started to realize that, yeah, it's, 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 he's not aware of that bubble that he's in with people and mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. kind of throw people. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? And so you just, wow. you just kind of got to be aware, keep a little space. I got, yeah, I got a lot of funny stories like that about, yeah, different uh, situations where body language can set somebody, make someone really uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Whew, man, rule number six, be diplomatic in meetings. Uh, can, you, can you talk us through why this is important and what to do? Meetings, it's funny, you know, uh, when when you go to meetings, when you're dealing with like that indirect conflict averse culture, you have to be very careful how you respond to people. And a lot of careers are made and broken in those meeting rooms, you know, and Mm. so just got to be cautious. And, you know, for example, if somebody comes up with an idea that's outrageous, um, you, you can't say that, you know, you have to say, I see your point, you know, Hmm. Um, and you don't, you got to be careful with even, but, you know, it's like, I see your point, but that'll just erase everything. And that means you don't see the point. So Hmm. even just being cautious with that word saying, I see your point. Have we thought about maybe looking at it this way, you know, uh, or I like, you know, or starting with a compliment. I, I, I like your, your process there just, and so that's kind of how you have to do it. And it was funny when I first came back to Canada, I was teaching English in, in Calgary there and they were working with an American textbook and an English textbook. And I remember they were teaching students. This is the language of meetings. 
I disagree with you. I completely disagree with you. That's not a good idea. Let's repeat that back. And I'm like, whoa, if you train people to talk like that in a meeting, you, you could be having people lose jobs. You know, it's wow. that's that's too direct, you know, and and uh, it's it's and sometimes you can disagree with just body language. You see, with indirect people. Um, they don't like that direct negativity because they feel that you can deliver it through body language so nobody has to get hurt openly. You know, if, for example, if I have an idea, all you have to do is kind of sit back in your chair and, and do a thinking sound. Hmm. That means you don't like the idea. And I, I, I and that shows respect for me because you don't have to be so open about it and I can pick up on it. And, uh, you know, and so that in meetings, it's quite sensitive. And I've seen some fascinating things in meetings. Um, for example, body language. Everybody's looking at each other's body language. That's the other thing, because people are talking, but their body language is speaking. And I've in, been in several meetings where somebody is, for example, there's three people sitting the same way, for example, in their chair. Mm. And one of those people says... I completely disagree with that. You'll see the other two people immediately change their body language to tell everybody we're not with that person. We don't think like that person because I've seen that when somebody says something a little bit too loud or offensive, everybody looks at who's sitting the same way as them at the table because that hmm. means that's an agreement. Wow. You know, so wow. those things just got to be got to be a little bit Hmm. I like this quote as well from uh, rule number six. In a conflict-diverse culture, predictability maintains uh, about maintains calm and, and maintains calm and strengthens relationships. When events are spontaneous or unplanned, people get tense and meetings don't go well. Right. What did you mean? Well, you know, I, uh, there was, a, I met the CEO from the United States and he said, and I was doing a talk one day and he came up to me after and he says, I, I got a, I got something I don't understand. And I said, what is it? He says, well, I took over this job in Canada and I've, I'm down at this, this head office. And uh, he says, normally what I do when I was down in the States is I take my team in the room and I say, okay, here's the problem. Let's, let's solve it. And they go after each other and there's a lot of discussion. And he says, we come up with a solution and everybody's happy with it. He said, I tried that here and I got my team together, my lead team, they're all Canadians there. And I said, okay, here's the problem. Let's solve it. And I got nothing. Nobody wanted to say anything. And he said, uh, there was somebody would come up with an idea. Somebody would kind of agree with it. And he said, I don't understand what's happening. And I said, hmm. you know, in a direct culture, they expect conflict and they don't mind it. And they sometimes they have an ability to get to see it as a value, even mm -hmm. like if, mm -hmm. if you and I have an agreement, we'll get to we'll get somewhere in the middle and we can still be friends. It doesn't have hmm. to be the end. But with indirect people, a conflict could and a relationship entirely where you don't get it back. And so people in companies are very aware of that. So they like to have an agenda up front. They like to know what's going to be discussed and what they do. So this is what I told them. I said, next time you have a meeting, get the agenda out a week early. Let's let it circulate so people can go around the office and say, hey, we got that meeting on Tuesday. What do you think about that uh, topic? And let them feel each other out. Let them mm. know where everybody stands. So, mm. for example, you might discover that you're the only one that doesn't like the idea. 
So, and maybe, maybe it's, you got to think about how you're going to approach that. Are you, mm. or you might find there's a few senior people in the office that really don't like the idea, but you do. And so mm. you got to give people a strategy so they can, they don't make mistakes when they're in those mm. public forums. Interesting. Wow. 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 Okay. And the final one that we're going to walk through today, build strong rapport with supervisors. And I, I like how you open this up. We've all heard supervisors say, my door is always open or call me if you have any questions. The question is just how wide is that door actually open? How big do the problems have to be before you can actually walk through? In truth, the supervisor doesn't really want you walking through that door unless it is to tackle a problem that is beyond your authority and capability to resolve without their help. Hmm. You walk us through uh, rule number seven. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's supervisors, they don't like conflict either. It makes their jobs difficult, you know, and that's why people are screened so hard in interviews, those behavioral questions. Tell us about a time you had a conflict and how did you solve it? Because they want to hire somebody that they can put into a position that a week later isn't going to be coming to them saying that person doesn't like me. Um, we've had this argument. So supervisors, yeah, indirect supervisors like to hire somebody and just watch it work well. Hmm. And so if you're, and I, I try to encourage people to think this way, uh, in, in an indirect work culture, if you want your role to become a manager or supervisor someday, you kind of have to have a reputation that you're a problem solver from day one, that you haven't had any arguments with people, you haven't had any disagreements, you've had the ability to listen, to blend in a little bit to understand people and that those are the people they want to promote because mm -hmm. they don't, they, they don't cause problems with coworkers. And so mm -hmm. I try to encourage people, you know, if you have desire to move up in your career, start right away with these things from this book, like just start building rapport, start listening to people and people will recognize you as, Hey, that person's a great listener. Wow. That mm -hmm. person's a great communicator. You know, that person never really has any trouble with anybody because they seem to get along well and mm -hmm. you'll see a pathway there. So supervisors are those kind of people that have managed to get through without difficulties and conflicts. So naturally, a lot of those supervisors in those organizations don't like to be confronted with it either. Mm. You know, and mm. so it's the doors open, they're there to listen. Um, but they would like you to really work on solving those things on your own, those mm. small things with colleagues, you know, and mm. Um, mm. I don't know if that makes sense. I Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Absolutely. I think for me, the the, the this was like the the epitome of my experience with the book was when I read this phrase where it says, if your colleagues show that they respect you and like working with you, then it is easier for your supervisor to promote you. Right. I think naturally as an immigrant, you would think it's my technical ability or capability um, and my quote unquote ability to stand in front of people and speak confidently and do all these amazing things with Excel and show everybody what I can do. <laughs> but what you are saying here is such a major paradigm shift in my mind, 
around ensuring that your colleagues respect and like working with you. If you could just briefly expand on that, that, that would be awesome. Well, it's it all starts in the really be, in the beginning, like you mentioned. A, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of that first day at work. They think I don't know th- that I'm hired here, so now I need to uh, show why I'm hired, and so I have to bring ideas right away. I think the best approach is just ease into your job. Just be quiet if you can, and just observe. And if somebody's training you, for example, like okay, we got to pack a couple of boxes to give to the clients. Here's how we pack them. Now, you in your heart have packed boxes before. You've got a much better system. And this mm. person's training you. In that moment, just say, okay, sure. Yeah, I can pack a box like that. That's great. What do you want to say on your first day? Well, actually, I've got a better way to do it. And mm. that person, maybe they're the ones that came up with the idea how to pack that box in the first place. So what, mm. what's happening with that relationship right there? You know, and it's so, and if you have enough of those little experiences, that's when things start to get, things start to get, you know, challenging, right? Hmm. And, uh, so you're, you're, uh, what you're suggesting at the end of the day, take your time, build, uh, watch how things work, fit into the culture, I guess. We have fit in and fit in is kind of a, I think it, in a sense, Fit in means to understand that there's different cultures everywhere. There's different workplaces everywhere. You know, we have a responsibility to try to adapt ourselves, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to it, you know, and as best we can. And how do we do that? You've got to be perceptive and you've got to observe things. And I think the easiest way to do it in any environment is I, I tell people to, well, I encourage people identify the one person in that office or workplace that is considered by everyone else the best communicator. Hmm. You know, identify that person. That's just that where everybody talks about them positively, where when they're in the lunchroom, they seem to strike up a chord. When they come in the room, things lighten. People go to them for support. Identify that, though, that person or persons and try to think about, okay, that's a successful person in this place and they're moving upwards. And that's the, that's the, the mentor you need. That's the person you need to watch. Because that's mm. how you're going to do it too. Mm. Wow, Matt, thank you. This was awesome. This was awesome. So here's what we're going to do, listeners. Uh, we're not going to be going over rules eight, nine, and ten with you. Build strong rapport, work hard, um, and know when to say no. There are some really great nuggets uh, in those three areas. So what I would like you to do is to go on amazon.com or amazon.ca and purchase this book for yourself and share it with a friend or two because this could hold you back from uh, not knowing some of these skills, could hold you back from that promotion you're looking for. It could help you get that promotion that you're also looking for. So it's a great opportunity for you to learn these skills now. Learn it now so that when you need it, you can implement it and not later on. So on Amazon, just type in Canadian Workplace Culture. Uh, You can type in Matt's name as well, Matt's and last name A-D-O-L-P-H-E. He has another book. Can you tell us about your second book, by the way, Matt? 
yeah, would you hire you? It, it's called. What happened was after this book came out and uh, I was doing a lot of talks on workplace culture, people came to me after and say, okay, I get it. I get the workplace culture. I, I'm doing all right with it. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm getting the hang of it. I'm feeling comfortable with it. Great. But I do want to get promoted. And I, what, so tell me within that Canadian workplace, what does that look like? What are they looking for? What do I need to have? What are the components that I can, I can develop? And, and so that book came out, Would You Hire You? And it walks through again, 10, 10 pieces of, um, you know, things that you can do, you know, in terms of, you know, what is your customer service uh, skills? What do they look like? Um, you know, it looks at personality. Do you really understand your own personality and the personality of others? And it, it walks people through those different pieces that they all together, when they put them all together, that's what a leader looks like. And that's mm. the pieces they're looking for to come together. So it's the kind of the next step. It's okay. This is kind of entry level stuff. Right. And, and, it, and it, it, but then that next step is, okay, here's what, here's what they're looking for. Mm. Okay. This mm. is what you can do. So that's kind of the mm. next one. Wonderful. What was the title for that one again? Would you hire you? Would you hire you? Mm. I <laughs> like that. Brilliant. Matt, it's been a great pleasure. I've learned a lot. Uh, I'm sure listeners have learned as well. Thank you for taking out this time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ayo. It's a pleasure.